What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Lab Audio Inventory. So I guess what we're talking about is all your kind of oddball athletes. So right now, why don't you give a list of some of the more uh, atypical or unusual athletes that you train? So there'd be three at the moment that don't fit into your typical uh, American sports that you see in a strength and conditioning facility. Uh, two BMX athletes, one that is racing and one that does freestyle. And then a high school athlete who competes or is about to compete, she's finishing up the coursework that you need to do before it for dog agility racing. So those are not, as far as dog agility racing, not all that dissimilar. Um, from a field sport, you can make some connections there, but BMX is gonna to be totally different than the type of sports you would typically see in a college or even just private sectors or in the conditioning facility. Probably wanna direct the conversation towards those. Yeah, so the BMX, so explain to me the two uh, explain to me the two types of BMX athletes. Obviously, you, you just briefly mentioned it, but what are some of the differences in the the events that they compete in? Um, and then we can maybe go into more specifics about how you train both. The differences between the two um, in training, also, as a, you know, as like the event and then in training. Mm -hmm. And we'll we'll kind of like break that up into questions. But to start, I guess, what are the differences in their sport specifically? Sure. So racing versus freestyle. In freestyle and racing, you could break them down into some subcategories. But just big picture, freestyle is going to be scored based on judges. So it's going to be a lot more similar to gymnastics in that aspect. So there are going to be subjective ratings for each run there. And depending on the format, whoever has the highest total or basically the best scores is going to win. On the other end of racing, that's going to be much more similar to track and field. It's going to be whoever crosses the finish line first. Potentially there are going to be some series as opposed to one-off races where you accumulate points throughout the series, but the difference will basically be closer to track and field style in racing, closer to a gymnastic style when it comes to freestyle. <clears throat> so what are your, so, okay, you have your, your athletes come in. Uh, maybe you've never worked with a BMX athlete before. Um, let's take the, we, we could go first with the, the racing and then with the uh, freestyle, but w what is the research you do as a coach or w what do you look for in terms of when you're, when you're going to set up your plan? Obviously you're going to want to, uh, formulate some kind of assessment kind of specific to their, uh, to their needs as an, as an athlete in their sport. So what kind of research uh, do you do beforehand <clears throat> to kind of guide you in how to just get started with them? In the most broad sense, it's who, what, when, where, why, and then how is the plan at the end. So I start with who am I working with, and that's going to be when they come in for initial assessment or maybe when they first inquire about training with me or anyone athletic lab for that matter, finding out who they are as far as uh, what sport they do, what their injury history is, what their availability for training is. So just getting to know who we're actually working with here, um, who, what, what being the second question here. So that's the what you're training for. With these sports, like any other, we'll start with a needs analysis. So actually looking at the sport itself and figuring out what are the demands of the sport. 
does it have a premium on fitness? Okay, if it does, what type of energy system work is we're gonna to need to use here? What are the work rest ratios if it's a competition they're gonna see? If it's a race, what are the durations of the races they're gonna typically see? Or how many motos or how many times they're gonna race in a given day or a weekend? So getting to know specifically their sport and what are the needs of it? Like I said, those are all examples from a fitness standpoint, but you could then also look at, okay, are they going to need strength? Are there gonna be specific strength they're gonna need or is this gonna be more in a general standpoint? But once you determine the needs of the sport and who you're training with, you can start going from there. So who, what, when. Uh, when is gonna be important for either of these athletes in this case there, because whether you're training for a specific competition that you want to be at your best for, for freestyle, or if you have a race season, there is going to be a competitive series or a single event that you're peaking for. So in the typical way that you would then address a team like basketball, if it's gonna be a series of races or a series of competition, you're getting them ready for that in-season time there. If the races or competitions are more spread out, you can maybe potentially treat it more like a sport like track and field, where you're taking peaks or potentially multiple peaks within the year. So who, what, when, where, where is going to be the other thing too. Um, for us, that means at Athletic Lab, I'm already familiar with the area or the facility. I know what we have access to, so that's not going to really necessarily come into play too much for a new client. Who, what, when, where, why, and why is going to be a big thing too. So why are they coming to me for training in the first place? A good example would be Will, Will Yerkes, BMX racer that I've been working with for a couple months now. He came in already very strong, and actually moved really well and easily fit enough for his sport. What he was really looking for was for the first time he working with a coach and actually have the guidance of someone's programming and someone to push him on those workouts. So for him, there was not a specific injury, let's say, or a weakness in his race, but it was, let's take a look at where I'm at right now. How do I get better? And then for Josh Perry, uh, BMX freestyle athlete, there was the general uh, considerations there, but also he has more specific ones with a longer injury history. So coming off of ACL surgeries or in the early part of when we were working there, breaking a rib. He's um, have had a arm break at the elbow years ago that didn't quite heal or fuse the way you'd want it to, so it doesn't fully extend. So Josh has more considerations in far, as far as staying healthy in the sport. Not that we would ignore that with Will, but there's some specific reasons for Josh that are different from Will and vice versa there. So once you go through all of that, you've got a pretty good picture of who I'm working with and then go into the actual assessment. So the assessment, we're going to start off from a performance standpoint, similar to the way I'm going to see any other athlete. For either of those guys, I can skip over sprint tests. They're not as important. But as far as pure power output, still going to look at vertical jump, approach vertical jump, um, a max power test, usually with the push band, a squat max if appropriate, upper body strength for both of them is at a premium, controlling the bike, so we're going to look at pressing strength and pulling strength, either with a bench press test or pull-up. For them, we've been using a weighted pull-up max more recently, potentially looking at eccentric strength with the K-Box, and then, um, if need be, fitness. So for Will, fitness was not as much of his goal or what he was looking for for training here, but for Josh, especially initially getting ready for competitions, it was. So we would do fitness tests. The two we used were one minute assault bike uh, challenge, which you put on the assault bike and do one minute all out for calories. So that was very much an anaerobic power test. And the other thing we did with Josh is actually go to the park with him and put a heart rate monitor on to get some information about how he actually responds when he's riding in the park in a competition-like scenario. Obviously, it wasn't as specific as going to an actual uh, competition, but we could pretty well approximate that and look in that specific case at his heart rate recovery. So the way we did that test, 
We put them through a 60 second run, um, competition style with tricks, and then in the time he would have to recover, usually about three to five minutes before the second comes up, see how far his heart rate would drop. So that was a more of a measure of his aerobic fitness and his ability to recover between those two uh, rounds there, which is gonna be the specific task that he's gonna see on his competition day. Um, <clears throat> so looking at the looking at the two sports, do you removing the let's say sport implement, right? So there might be you know, there we're talking with different uh Maybe like in lacrosse, there's a lacrosse stick, a lacrosse ball. Soccer's got a soccer ball, basketball, basketball. Hockey's got a, a hockey stick and a puck. BMX is a bike, right? When you remove what kind of makes the sports unique or, or their own thing, mm -hmm. what kind of similarities do you start to see just from an energy, stand, energy system standpoint, from a strength standpoint, uh, from a power output standpoint, what kind of similarities do you see and does, do you draw upon that to kind of almost simplify <clears throat> what you're doing and not not have it be so overwhelmingly like I have to be so specific and this is so different than what I've ever done before? Yeah, and that kind of comes from the needs analysis. So looking at the sport from a skill standpoint could be extremely overwhelming. And once again, the why I'm not being brought in to help Josh work on his triple whips. Um, the skill of it, that's something that he's working on either with other pros or with himself on video review. But actually then, if he's gonna be doing tricks like that, does he? what kind of strength does he need? So once I realize, okay, upper body strength, specifically, say pulling in that scenario there, um, so strong lats and then core strength there is gonna be at a premium, I have experience with other athletes and other scenarios of how to improve that. So you can just draw right from there. The way that will make lower body more uh, powerful for them is going to be the same way you'd make lower body more powerful for another athlete, so another sport. So once you have those needs from a physical standpoint down, the way that you then train those doesn't need to be completely different. Um, we know how to get someone strong as far as lower body or upper body or core strength. So it's then determining as far as the actual protocols, what's going to be closest. So let's say um, you mentioned other sports that would be similar. So with track and field, this kind of runs the gamut of energy system needs or types of athletes. So from a fitness standpoint, they're going to be somewhat similar for both of these sports to a long sprinter in track and field. The actual races or the actual competition runs are fairly short, but not so short that it's purely a lactic so you are going to see a certain level of fatigue come in there but the high it's very high output the whole time so a long sprinter like a 200 400 runner is going to be similar there another similarity is having rounds so a 200 or 400 runner might race multiple times in the same day if you're talking about a college athlete who potentially is running the 200 400 and a relay and rounds of all of those maybe racing a whole bunch of times in the same weekend That'll be similar when it comes to these guys and what they're going to see on their competitions. So you can look close to that as far as energy system development, what you're looking for there. Even for some of the marks like recovery, I mentioned Josh recovering between runs in a competition where he's going to have two 60-second runs and about three, five minutes in between. Looked into Joel Jameson's work with MMA athletes because they're going to have actually a little bit shorter recovery win or window between rounds, but having the heart rate drop between rounds so they're ready to go on the next one is of huge importance. So looking at some of his benchmarks to determine what we should be aiming for is that specific type of aerobic fitness. So once you have the needs analysis from a physical standpoint, not just a skill standpoint or coordination, 
it's not, it shouldn't be that difficult to then look into other areas and determine how you're going to develop those, which is exactly what I did with this. Cool. <clears throat> so why don't we take each athlete kind of separate right now uh, and just talk about kind of a, a typical session, maybe one or two if there are sessions that kind of get really different from each other um, mm. in terms of your target for that session. Um, so you by all means give an example of a couple sessions, but basically how are you structuring a session? What are you looking to get out of out of the session and um, how do you then address all this uh, kind of practically sure. or, or in, a, in applied sense? <clears throat> so the sessions are going to be typically structured in a way that will align closely with other areas that we do here or really any best practices for the conditioning sessions. So we're gonna go through a general warm up and then some mobility work or potentially stability work, depending on the individual athlete. So I'll kind of section them off for that part of the warm-up based on what they need. And then getting into the performance standpoint, we'll start off with some kind of power work or stuff that's going to be higher coordination. So that could be your Olympic lifts or uh, plyometrics. So recently, um, Josh, yeah, Josh could be a good example here. We've been starting off with Olympic lifts. He's moved into, in this new phase here, a complex where he's doing one power, one hang, nothing fancy there. And then going into the middle section for actually both Josh and Will, uh, we're seeing some kind of contrast method. So there's a grouping we're gonna do usually most efficient way to get this done. It's pretty simple for both of them at the moment from what I'm putting at down. It's gonna be a lower body strength followed by an upper body strength, lower body power, and upper body power. It's very efficient as far as time. It covers a lot of ground and it will be also having the benefit of the contrast method there. It's actually having higher outputs on the power work. So for example, at the moment, K-box squats are gonna be very present. K-box squats from an eccentric training standpoint, but also you can get the concentric benefit when you put enough wheels on it for pushing up real hard. So uh, I believe it is K-box squat for sets of five that Will is doing right now into a incline bench press and the two lower body exercises are going to be tuck jump, or the lower body exercise is the tuck jump, the upper body is a med ball chest pass. So they're following along with that. The tuck jumps are gonna have concentric nature of jumping, but the eccentric nature of landing and turning around quickly on those. So that aligns with the K-Box. The incline bench press has that pressing as well as an up upward angle. The med ball chest pass, we're doing it bilaterally, is gonna be similar there. So they align very well with that. On another day when the strength is gonna be potentially more hip dominant, we may change what the lower body is gonna be to maybe a med ball between the legs forward. So it's gonna fit well with that. So this isn't anything that should be groundbreaking here, but we'll go through that main strength section and then look at accessory work from there. So the accessory work, uh, anyone can arrange this in the way that you see fit for your athletes, uh, but that's going to be generally hitting areas we missed in that first section. So I'd like to keep unilateral exercises in. So for this case, when the lower body bilateral stimulus was in that main complex there, which is K-box squats I mentioned in this example, you're gonna see something generally single leg in the secondary or the more accessory area. So that could be single leg deadlifts, that could be single leg squats, there's loads of variations there. But I like having that lower body stability, particularly when the sport is bilateral in nature, you have two pedals, but unilateral in nature that you are an offset at any given time and more pressing on one side, it's gonna be more than important to cons um, 
to include both types of training there, um, as well as then potentially core exercises that we wouldn't fit into that first section there. The fitness standpoint for uh, Josh is coming more on his Tuesday and Thursday as well as at the park. So Josh is always training five days a week. There's three days that are very strength and power based, two days that are almost exclusively fitness and general strength based. Um, at the moment, we've kept it very general in that standpoint as far as fitness because the actual next competition is quite distant. As we get closer to that competition, we'll shift the emphasis more towards the fitness side there. So that's getting a little bit on a tangent from your original question of a single session setup, but the way that throughout the week I'm putting those there for Josh because he's training quite frequently. It's going to be a typical high-low when you see your Monday, Wednesday, Friday being your big hitter strength or power days and your Tuesday, Thursday being lower intensity days in between those but are still productive in the full training scheme. Will isn't training as often with me so his days are relatively similar on um, each session to what I just explained there. We're pretty much going to check all those boxes there of having lower body power, upper body power, and strength on each one. And we're gonna be varying the exercises from day to day to complement one another. So on one day where we're doing a heavier incline bench press, let's say for an upper body strength, the next day is gonna be a pulling one, such as a weighted pull up. Will's gotten very good at those recently. So you're gonna see those days complement each other, but as far as the overall structure, they're fairly similar, because that's gonna be the most bang for our buck with the amount of time that Will has available to actually come in and train. <clears throat> cool. Um, so last thing, we'll, we'll just start uh, wrapping up, but um, let's just talk a little bit about uh, improvements. What kind of uh, feedback have you gotten from your athletes? What kind of, so we can say performance uh, performance results or in your test retest uh, with them, and then also just kind of feedback how they feel when they're actually sure. on the bike. Um yeah, go ahead. So with Will, he's newer client of mine. So haven't gotten as much feedback from him, but from our first to our second retest period, he improved across the board. The area that we're now shifting towards focus is eccentric strength. So when I say across the board, he did improve on all the tests we were doing that I mentioned in the beginning there. And those were all mostly concentric in nature. So as that's improving and as his year and season's progressing, we're gonna shift a little bit more towards eccentric. Another reason we're doing that with him now is because he's a he's a bit of a beast, like he's a freak. Um, when he first came in, he was already a 500 pound deadlifter and a 400 pound squatter. That's not real common to get athletes who come in already concentrically really really strong he was well over a two times body weight squat no question right as we started so i knew it wasn't going to take long to get to the point where we could very safely and very confidently move towards more aggressive eccentric work and now with josh i've got a lot more feedback as far as his current improvements as well as what he said as far as um when he's actually doing the sport so the first time he mentioned noticing improvements there was with something called casing so casing, if you can imagine, kind of take a couple cards here. So much, get a ramp here. So if this is the top of the box, and this is actually the ramp here. I see is what's gonna be good. I'm gonna use your barbell. As he's coming into land, if he was to land completely flat here, that's gonna be not good. An ideal landing, he's gonna go smooth right into the ramp and come down. Casing is when you're gonna get one wheel on the ramp or one wheel on the flat. So you're hitting there, and depending on how hard you case, you can fall quite aggressively or aggressively, what would be, what's the right word I'm looking for here? 
dramatically, dramatically. or um, <laughs> you at minimum are going to lose speed, which if you're trying to string together a series of tricks, that's going to be to your disadvantage. You're going to want to maintain as much speed as you can, if not build off of a good landing. So with casing, it's somewhat inevitable. It's going to happen to some degree within your um, riding. But Josh is noticing when he cases, he's much less likely to fall. It's easier for him to somewhat muscle his way through it because he's strong enough to actually hold himself up, support himself upper body-wise without getting crushed onto the handlebars and then potentially over the top onto the, onto the ground from there. So that was the first place he saw it. So that was going to be partly a performance standpoint, partly just a margin for error, but then also the ability to do whip tricks faster. That's something that Josh has gotten give me feedback here that he's wanting to get more upper body strength specifically for whip tricks like that because he uses a slightly heavier bike than a lot of guys on his level do. That's more his style. He feels better with the stability of that. And so more upper body strength to actually move that quicker is going to be of benefit there. As far as testing parameters as well, um, when we were getting closer to competitions and doing fitness side, that was the area Josh improved by far the most. The ability to recover between runs. I believe the first time, I'd have to look it up, but the first time we did the heart rate recovery test after the 60 second simulated runs, I believe in the first minute after, he was able to drop about 20 beats per minute and we got that up to 30 beats per minute within a couple months of training. 40 was the MMA benchmark that Joel Jamison had put out. And when there is a clear, you crossed the finish line first, you won, and you didn't, you lost, um, as well as it being already in a more, a bit more of an established Olympic sport, there's more people training in that. It's a little bit more abstract to some when you're looking at freestyle BMX there. So there are styles of riders who are extremely skill-based, and from a physical standpoint, Honestly, it's not that demanding. For other styles, like Josh's, where it's very high premium on speed, on height, there's going to be a huge demand on physical ability there. It also, as you progress further, gets to the point where you can do tricks that other guys just can't because they're not as physically capable of you. So as far as pushing the sport forward, Josh is one of the guys who have made that connection. There's others out there who are training as well, but there are fewer guys in that sport training as opposed to BMX racing. I think a big part of that is the subjectiveness of the scoring in the freestyle area and the objectiveness of first place, second place, and so on um, because of the clock and who crossed the finish line first in racing. But it has been really enjoyable and exciting to work with both sides there and start to get my hands dirty on both of them. <clears throat> so we uh, we talked earlier about how you have um, another athlete that's kind of not your typical athlete that you would usually work with. Um, so let's kind of just, I don't want to go into that. That'll be too much of a tangent, but just in terms of maybe offering something, to, to some advice or something to other coaches out there who might be intimidated by, you know, getting an, an athlete come to them. That's something they've never worked before, never worked with before. Um, maybe as a coach, as we go on in the future, we're getting more and more people that realize the benefits of of this kind of stuff. So we will, as a as a coach, be maybe seeing more kind of atypical athletes come to you. So, what exactly would you have as offer as advice to coaches that might be seeing some unusual clients kind of pop into their yeah. their facility? You talked about your needs needs analysis, and obviously that's a good framework 
um, but talk about how you would just kind of you know simplify it for them and, and offer some kind of advice I'll steal a quote from Mike but uh, bite off more than you can chew and then chew it so don't be intimidated to take on a different sport you're gonna learn from that so purely from your own development do it anyway but also from your ability to help athletes if you're able to make someone who plays football stronger faster more powerful jump higher more coordinated less likely to get injured you already have the tools to work with pretty much any other sport you may not know exactly how to apply them yet and acknowledge that so that's the needs analysis starting off with josh and another rider vince byron were the first two bmx athletes i worked with i would definitely be BSing if I said on day one I knew exactly what to do and exactly what they needed. I had a pretty general idea, but don't fool yourself into thinking you've got it figured out. Check out the sport and see what it needs. Um, from a strength, power, whether it's speed standpoint for most sports, you're probably going to be pretty comfortable. With a fitness or energy system de development standpoint, that's going to be something that could be completely unique to its sport. You'll probably find other parallels, but maybe not. Check that out. Learn as much as you can. If there's research on it, look into that research. Racing, there was a ton of research on compared to freestyle because uh, I think by the nature of it being a current Olympic sport, although freestyle is moving into the next Olympics, so that may change in the coming years. But for any sport, if there is research done on it, go check that out. If there's other people training in that area, go check it out. But at the end of the day, if you have the tools to make another athlete better, you probably already have the tools to help this athlete out. So just learn as much as you can about the sport and then put them to work. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks for listening. If you like this, you can rate us. You can share this with your friends. And if you have a question, go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Anchor, anywhere you can find us. Drop us a DM and we'll try to answer it when we can.